When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Hi, Elise Lunen here, co-host with Gwyneth of the Goop Podcast. Today is actually a Gwyneth episode. I'm just recording the episode intro for her because I'm a great friend. Actually, we recorded this before the coronavirus pandemic unleashed itself on the world, and now we are working from home. So I'm with our podcast producer, Lauren. We're trying to get ahead since we are all a little distance from each other. So... Today's episode is not about the coronavirus, but hopefully it's nice and soothing. She sat down with Janae Aiko, a singer and songwriter born and raised in Los Angeles. She just released her new album, Chilombo, which is amazing, particularly for the sound bowl healing vibrations that play throughout. If you're on your couch feeling alone, this is exactly what you want to hear. Sound bowl healing isn't a new thing for Janae. Last year, she posted a trigger protection mantra meditation to YouTube, which includes Janae's highly soothing vocals. On her album, Janae goes even deeper on sound healing. Chakra opening hums play alongside lyrics from Future and Nas. Aside from the healing she gets from music, Janae and Gwyneth also talk about alternative medicine, Buddhist poetry, processing grief, and how Janae healed the trauma in her own life. We don't deal with grief enough, and like it's sort of inevitable. So to embrace it and really say, okay, I know that our time here together is not guaranteed. You know, and let's start living more in the moment and loving each other more. Let's get right to today's chat with Janae Aiko. I'm so happy that you're here, and it's been so enlightening to listen to all of your music, especially your new stuff, over the last couple of days. And you are really an intriguing artist. And yeah, and it's you're just you're so beautiful inside and out. Thank you. you. Thank you. So I guess I would love to start a little bit with your upbringing in Los Angeles, and what that was like. And I was, you know, I know that it was quite unique to be raised with all of these, this incredible lineage of all these different kind of cultures yeah. and, and races in Los Angeles. So tell me a little bit what okay. about what that was like. Growing up in LA, always yeah. sunny in LA. I actually grew up <laughs> close, you know, on the West side. So Venice Beach on the weekends and we never, you know, really experienced like that Hollywood life, even though it was LA. So people would always come up to my mom and be like, do, you, do your kids want to do commercials? Do they sing? Do they act? And eventually, 
we started <laughs> to go on auditions. I mean, we you had guys it. were a good-looking bunch <laughs> of kids. I was looking at some pictures. <laughs> and so it was fun. It was a lot of us. Uh, my mom is the oldest of five, and all of her siblings have kids. So at one point, we all lived at my grandmother's house. All of my cousins just running around. We were a wild pack of wolves. Community living. Yes. I yes. love it. And... Yeah, I had a very great childhood. We outnumbered the adults. So like I said, we just always were just having fun and running <laughs> around and terrorizing the neighborhood. <laughs> so that's what I remember. And just it always being beautiful and sunny. Yeah. It's a really nice place to, to grow up. I often wonder, I was I was born here and I lived here till I was about 11. And I feel like it was became so much a part of my outlook and like yeah. my openness to wellness and, yeah. you know, being close to nature. And did you feel that as well? Yeah, for sure. I've always been intrigued by the ocean. Always loved it. Always lived close enough. Now I live super close to the ocean. And I think that just gives you a different perspective when you see that vast ocean. So often you're mind just you know what I mean it, the the water is helps you reflect and really do some good deep thinking so I, I was always pondering something I was homeschooled at, in the seventh grade until high school until I graduated so I did a, a lot of meditation without even realizing I was mm-hmm. meditating uh, my grandmother whose house I grew up in she lived on Overhill and Slauson, which is what I call Slauson Hills. And she had this amazing view of LAX and the water. and But you could also see, like, Inglewood and, you know, like the city. But then beyond that, you saw the ocean. And it was just so much to see. And I would just sit in her backyard and look at that and look at all of her plants and flowers and just ponder and think. And that definitely shaped me now because I'll just go into these moments of just like staring at one thing and just there's nothing else going on in my mind I'm just like staring at it then I realized that that is actual a type of meditation is that meditative space is that where you cultivate poetry and music or is it a different space you know in the meditative space I have a clear empty mind really. And there's nothing going on. It's like pure emptiness, which I love. Mm. When I am struggling through emotions, that's when all of these, or that's where most, that's where most of the lyrics and poetry come from. From metabolizing feelings. Yes, Working through Working through. And then I have to get it out. So I create a poem Mm. or I sing a song because I'm like, Super sensitive, super emotional. What sign are you? I'm a Pisces. Oh, yes. I love Pisces. Oh, what's your sign? All my husbands are Pisces. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a sign? Libra. Okay, so we both have that dual sensitivity. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, when is your birthday? 316, March 16th. March 16th. Soon. It's yeah. Soon. How old are you going to be? I'll be 32. That's that's woman time. I that's how I feel. That's I how like I feel. It. I'm like finally because <laughs> I I still feel though like I feel like I 
I heard this one time, like once you have a baby, like the age you have your first baby at is kind of where you like stop because now your child is like takes over. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was 20 going on 21. So I feel like (laughs) I'm still 20 when I see a lot of, you know, dealing with a lot of things. I'm like, but she teaches me so much and I have definitely evolved Mm -hmm. since having her. She, I feel like my growth has just like skyrocketed because you know a child is like a crash course in life and she is a Scorpio fiery and independent Mm. and knows what she likes and what she wants and is not afraid to speak up about it I like her already yeah she's amazing she's amazing and she has outgrown my clothes because I would just used to give her the clothes I didn't want but now she so I'm like oh great she's that tall already she's not tall she's almost my height wow she's 11 her shoe size, her clothes size, everything is slightly bigger than mine, and she likes to wear like oversized. Baggy, mine yeah. too. Yeah. So, I feel like now, as I get older, I am finding ways to work in the meditative or like meditations into the music mm-hmm. and making it more meditative because meditation and sound healing are things that I turn to. When I am in those moments of frustration or anger or sadness. And so instead of just using words, now I really want to incorporate the sound mm-hmm. and just, just the mantras and all of it because it's helped me. So maybe it can help I want to ask you all about that because okay. it's so fascinating. But first, um, okay. <laughs> I just I want to go back to the... I'm, I'm always so fascinated by musicians being able to sort of channel and process at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me from the outside, like I don't write songs, but my baby daddy writes songs. <laughs> so I, I was around it a lot. Yeah. And to watch this channel open and something to come through, which is it seemed so impersonal. It was almost like a connection with God or yeah. something else. But then the personal piece was whatever he was trying to work through at the time yeah. and the sort of melding of those two things. Yeah. Is that what it's like for it is you? Like, it is. Is that sort of what it's like for all musicians? I don't know if, if that's what it's like for everyone, but when you are making music for yourself as well, you know, and I feel like some people may heal yourself to heal yourself, then it definitely is like a blend of the two because for this album, and a lot of the times I find a lot of inspiration in nature, like going mm-hmm. on hikes. Big Sur and the Big Island of Hawaii are like my favorite places. You recorded this album in Hawaii this yeah, last one? on the Big Island Amazing. of Hawaii, which is where my great-grandmother was born, which I didn't find out until like late, like, you know, later on in my life. I always thought she was born in Japan, but she was actually born on the Big Island. Oh, wow. I've always felt, even when I was younger, like when I would sit outside, I always have loved the sun. I'm like a sun... What do they call it? Sun worshiper? worshiper. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And I would sit there and I, I get would in feel trouble like, for it. I know, same. My dermatologist is always like, are you wearing your sunblock? <laughs> I'm like, I am, but I'm not reapplying. <laughs> <laughs> and I would sit there, and I still do this, just for some, you know, vitamin D and just because it feels good. And then almost feel like be- things are being beamed down into me. And like, I am this vessel and I'll just get like this bright idea and I'll, it'll either be a poem or it'll be, 
you know, an idea for a visual for one of the songs that I wrote, or it'll be... A melody ever? A mel- or? Yeah, melodies. I, I kind of come up with words and melodies at the same time. Okay. And for this album, we were on the big island. We set up the living room of this amazing house that was right off the water. And we it was a jam session every day. So all these songs, I call them free flows, because they were all jam sessions that we just... Did whatever we wanted to do, but the backdrop, I would just stare out into the ocean and the sun, and everything was just coming to me. And the things that would come to me, you know, certain personal things would come up, mm-hmm. you know, and it would just start coming out, and it would be like, oh, wow, you know? So, yeah, it's a, it's very therapeutic, yeah. and it's something I enjoy, too. Yeah. When I was listening to your previous album that... I guess ostensibly was about relationships, but really was about your brother working through. Mm -hmm. First of all, I'm so sorry. That's so unbelievably painful. My dad was like the love of my life, sort of how your big brother was. And so when I was learning all about that, it just killed me. Yeah. I think that we all deal with loss in some type of way. Like there's a song on, the last album that I say, there's no loving without losing. There's no living without bruising. So this is true. So, you know, like, I think it's something that we are so afraid of, but, and we don't talk about enough. That's right. We don't deal with grief enough and like, it's sort of inevitable. So to embrace it and really say, okay, I know that our time here together is not guaranteed. You know, and let, let's start living more in the moment and loving each other more in the moment. But yeah, dealing with my brother's death really took me so many places in my mind. Mm-hmm. And just like, you know, it's been a journey. I think it'll continue to yeah. be. But I've definitely come to terms with uh, with it more, mm-hmm. I guess. There's definitely mo- like lower moments. Yeah. But I always say it's to go back to the... Yeah ocean thing it's like for me the the you know the the grief comes in waves and the waves kind of get further apart yeah but then it just will come in one time yeah it could be you know 15 years later and you just get one get crashed ever by one but I think you know as much as that was the most defining and tragic thing that's happened to me in a way I look at it and I think you know I had to grow up. I had to Mm -hmm. rise to the occasion. I almost had to embody him. And, you know, I pull him in all the time. Mm -hmm. And that was the way out for me, even though it took me about 10 years to even realize that the more I embodied him Mm -hmm. and the more that I, you know, accepted that life isn't so, it's not so binary and maybe, you know, they are here around us. And, you know, I was really resistant to that idea for a while, but now that I do that, it's like the, the pain of the grief is less. And then, then the lessons of, you know, who I was able to become Mm -hmm. in his absence was really powerful. I read a lot of like Buddhist, you know, teachings. Thich Nhat Hanh is like my favorite And he always talks about that, how the cloud is in the coffee, or the cloud is in the tea. And basically just a poetic way to say, there's, this is like this because that is like that. There's no, there's no one thing without the other. So you are your grandmother, you are her mother, you are 
her mother's mother, the, you know, everything comes together to, there's no... Separation. There's no separate self. There's no separation between us and everything else. And so, of course, those are things I've, you know, have been reading for years. But mm-hmm. then when you lose someone and the grief takes over, you're just kind of like, ah, oh, but I miss them, you know? Yeah, of course. And everyone's like, no, the energy and... You're like, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. They're not here. Yeah. Stop saying like, that. I'm sad. <laughs> no, no, they're not. But then, like you said, as time goes by and you really start to see that, you know, I, I started to do the same thing. Like, my brother really was the person that made me love music, you know. So I'm like, he's here because I'm still, you know, he's a part of this. Yeah. When my daughter does certain things, I see him and my daughter. When my, I have four, uh, four siblings that we all have the same mom and dad. But I have other siblings, a bunch of siblings, basically. I see him <laughs> in all of them. Wow. There are certain times where I'll laugh or say something, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was my brother. So then I'm like, he is alive in me. You mm-hmm. know, we literally have came from the same womb, you know. We share so much of the same blood, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I do feel like that. I feel like he is, he is still here because I'm still here and... Mm-hmm our siblings and everything, the, the impressions that he made on, literally the security work, working downstairs was my brother's friend. You're and kidding so me. as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, you know, that's my brother. Like he's, everything reminds me of him. So I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, but I also feel like it's okay to let, let go and let their memory be free, you know, mm-hmm. and, and stop holding on so tight to, to it. so tightly and, because I don't feel like you have to suffer through mm-hmm. the absence, you know. I feel like you can come to terms with with it and still, you know, miss them without it being so detrimental to, mm-hmm. like, your everyday life. Because mm-hmm. it can be, you know, it can you can get depressed very easily. You can stop doing everything and mm-hmm. just want to just, just do nothing and yeah. stop. But it's, I think it's... It takes its time to release its grip. That's part of yeah. the thing. But then once it starts to release, you have to yeah. bring some inertia to it, you know? Yeah. And how did you <laughs> get into Buddhism? <clears throat> so my great grandmother, Japanese, this is the one that was born on the big island. Right. She was like the first person that I knew for sure that I loved. And you knew her? I knew her. I was probably like five. When I first met her, and she was already very old, and I think we went on a few, like a road trip with her, and I just like fell in love. She was quiet. I don't think, I don't even, I'm not even sure if she spoke English or if she just didn't speak a lot. I don't remember her, how her voice sounds, but she was just always smiling mm. and super peaceful, and just she would just sit there and let me like me and my brother would pull on her hand i used to do that to my grandmother because i loved how stretchy and soft Mm -hmm. it was and and how wrinkly it was and i just thought she was like the cutest thing she would let me put little ponytails all in her hair like her gray hair and like she was so cute i loved her and the first person i really got close to like that and then she passed away like right after and she was buddhist and her a funeral was a Buddhist ceremony. So we, I had to learn at this young age the everything that goes along with the ceremony, the offering of the incense and the bowing and 
So from that moment, I was kind of like, okay, what is this, you know? And my grandmother was Christian. She took us to Christian church. Her daughter, her... No, 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 my, my grandfather's wife. Okay. So I kind of had a lot of... I was exposed to, like, different religions and different, like, philosophies very early on. My father is a doctor, so when my grandma, when my great grandmother passed, I asked him like, "Well, where did she go? Like, what you know, what happened?" And she, he's like explaining it to me like anatomically. Well, she asked to be cremated, so basically they burned the body, and well, she just kind of went to sleep and didn't wake up, and then they burned the body, and I'm like, "What?" And then we do this <laughs> Buddhist ceremony, but then I'm like, "But my grandmother has been taking us to a Christian church, and they talk about heaven." So I'm just like trying to like make it all make sense in my head, you know? And I guess when I became, when I was about 16, I just stumbled upon Thich Nhat Hanh, this book called Pieces Every Step. And at the time, there wasn't much going on in my life, but like like boyfriend stuff, you know? But, and I just felt, I was like very at peace already. So I read this book and it just was like, so poetic and so beautiful. And his his books are rooted in Buddhism, but they're not, like, very preachy, you know? Mm -hmm. They're very poetic, and, like, he tells stories around his the lessons that he's trying to teach. And then I just start reading all of his books, and then that led me to reading other books and, you know, getting the, um, the Book of the Dead and just, I don't know. I'm just such a curious person. Mm -hmm. I... There's a lot of the philosophies in Buddhism that I that resonate with me, mm -hmm. with how I naturally think. Like what? What? What are the tenets that? Um, the living in the moment, I think, mm -hmm. is the the biggest one. The living in the moment, taking care of the moment, takes care of the future. You mm -hmm. don't have to worry about the future or regret anything in the past if you are completely in the moment. How do you practice that being in the moment? Breathing, mm -hmm. lots of deep breaths throughout the day. Like Take, consciously breathing? Consciously breathing, mm -hmm. yeah. Anchoring I need to do myself that more. in my breath. And sometimes it, it sounds more like a. <sighs> people are like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just breathing, I'm just making sure I'm taking a deep breath. And he, I guess what I, I would say, he's probably like my biggest teacher through his books. Little things like. When you're in traffic, you have to realize that you are the traffic. And you have to take little things like a, uh, somebody beeping their horn as a bell of mindfulness. So instead of getting, you know, tense when someone honks their horn at you, that's actually a bell to take a deep breath. Or when you stop at a red light, instead of being like, ah, I'm late, that's actually a moment to take a deep breath. And it's just like, literally, when you take a deep breath, you realize how shallow your breaths have been up until that <laughs> point. Day, yeah, yeah, that whole day. And then if you go through something difficult in life, like, are, are those skills, do they act as tools to help you get through? Yes, for sure. When I was younger, I would self-medicate. Mm -hmm. And I would just be sort of, like, self-destructive and try to numb it. And then as I got older and have a child... And I'm more responsible, finding... Yeah, pretty soon you're going to have to deal with her yes. drinking. and Exactly, I <laughs> exactly. And I tell her, I always tell her now, just breathe, you know, just yeah. relax. Like, calm down because, like I said, she's a fiery little Scorpio. And 
I remember recently, I think it was, when did I do that cover for that Venice magazine? Back in May. So I, I had a, I woke up to some crazy stuff going on and I was like completely heartbroken. Like it was like one of the worst days of my life. Oh, I'm sorry. And I had a photo shoot, a cover shoot. And I don't, I haven't done a lot of covers, you know? So I was like, okay. So I took 15 minutes and that's usually something I would be like, oh my God, someone go get me like a muscle relaxer, <laughs> you know, or get me a drink. Like I need, you know, and, but I was like, I'm going to do this the right way. I'm going to remember the things I've been practicing, remember the things I've been reading. I went up to my little studio where I have all my sound bowls. I played them for like 15 minutes. I sat there. I just focused on my breath. I didn't think about anything. I just focused on my breath, just breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Mm. What's incredible about that to me is you bring up this point about how we just, in our culture, have such a hard time with feeling our feelings. Yeah. Feeling pain, feeling anxiety, feeling discomfort. It's like, at least my parents never sat me down and said, right. like, it's okay to feel these things, right? It was like, hey, you know, cheer up, stiff upper lip, exactly. like, let's go do this. And I think that, you know, I had a, a teacher one time that said, what you resist persists. <laughs> And it really stayed with me because I thought fundamentally what's underneath that is we don't allow ourselves to feel uncomfortable mm -hmm. things. We think, right, like just what you said, I need a drink or I don't want to feel this right. as opposed to having the creating the space as a vessel to yeah, feel to your feel feelings. So that's amazing that you're. I mean, it's pretty young. I didn't start to <laughs> figure this out until I was at least forty. That's another thing. To, I'm like, this is all about Thich Nhat Hanh, but really, I've learned, just to be honest, I learned all of this from reading his books. He talks about that a lot, like, not to run away from the feeling mm -hmm. and to j become friends with it. There's, it's, like right. a, it's a visiting friend, and you right. have to say, okay, hello, sadness. Yeah. You know, I know that you're here, but you're not here to stay. Mm -hmm. You're a passing friend. What, why are you, you know, like, really understand why mm -hmm. are you sad and what is this bringing up for you? And instead of like trying to numb it or trying to distract yourself, really just sitting in it, mm -hmm. not doing anything, just sit there and feel it. And see what, have you ever read The Guest House by Rumi, that poem? No, but it's really similar. I'll see if I can pull it up. The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door, laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. Oh, I love it. Isn't that beautiful? I'm like, that reminds me of, okay, this is funny. I started a poem, May 17th, 2019, at 10.34 p.m. <laughs> the okay. magic hour. It's okay to feel. It's okay to feel joy. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel peace. It's okay to feel mad. Welcome the feelings as visiting friends. Sit with them willing to fill them again. 
Do not run away. Do not force a change. To live in this moment is to not be afraid. Although you may feel it, take three breaths and say, Hello, dear feeling. You are okay. Thank you for coming. I know you won't stay. And then I have like, I need to finish this poem. I have like a Dr. Seuss kind of <laughs> type of vibe with my poetry. You I have to like make a children's book out of that. You know what? So I just thought of that yesterday because my, my poetry book that I have out now is for adults. Yes. <laughs> And a lot of sex and yeah so I'm like oh my daughter is 11 and now she can read I'm like I want to make I mean now she's getting into you know she listens to her music and I'm like what is that but then I'm like oh the music and the poetry I write okay let me start thinking <laughs> about how I need to go- move forward yes and I thought of that and I was like that would I, be, I start working that would be an extraordinary children's book and okay. that's what our children need. They need yeah. they need to understand that feelings are okay to feel. So tell me about this album that you have coming out and a little bit how about how it generated within you and yeah. you know what you were trying to say and then I want to ask you all about I'm obsessed with sound baths by the way. So when I was listening to the tracks that are available I was like finding the Yeah. sound bowls in there. So with every album I've put out, it's just me making sense of what I'm feeling in those moments and just sharing it, really. With Chalumbo, Chalumbo is my last name. A lot of people think it's Aiko, but Aiko is one of my middle names. So my full name is Janae Aiko Ifuru Chalumbo. Chalumbo is a name that my father gave to himself in his 20s. He changed his full name and then he created a whole tribe of chalumbos out here in california he has eight kids and and we have kids and so now there's a pack of us (laughs) running around and basically growing up i didn't feel connected to the name because i knew that it wasn't his like uh, father's name, right. you know, there wasn't, I couldn't like type it in and find out about my, you know, ancestors mm-hmm. or anything. And I felt away about that a little bit. How and did then, he get the name? So he, oh, my dad is a whole, you probably want him, you probably want to interview him next. <laughs> he is a Sagittarius. <laughs> Very important. Very important to my know. My dad was one too. So according to him, he found a name Quilumbo, which was Q-U-I, and he decided to change the spelling to Chilumbo. But it doesn't mean anything or... So, so that's what I thought. And I was like, oh, this is just like a name that he found, like a, it's an African name. And as I got older and started to really love the name and feeling more connected, I found out that it's a word in the... I'm so bad at pronouncing this. Nyanjin? Nyanjin? N-Y... Or the Chichua language. It's mm-hmm. an African language, basically. And the it's a word that means wild beast or monster. And I was like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> and, you know, like in school, in PE, they would be like, Chalumbo. You know, and like my, my younger sister, she's in the Navy, and they call her Chalumbo. And I just started to love how it sounds, you know. And I've started to feel like, yeah, I've always been a little wild. You know, people have definitely called me like a wild child. And for this album, I decided to to name it that because it's just me coming into that 
confidence of the that wild beast and being unafraid to express all parts of that beast. You know, I feel like there are beautiful beasts. You know, I'm also the, the year of the dragon, which I feel like is a beautiful, mystical creature. Mm-hmm. It's a beast, though, as well. Some people are afraid of it, but some people also see its beauty and its grace. So this album for me was about expressing that confidence, that grace, mm-hmm. still being, you know, peaceful. Um, there's some warrior aspect in there. And it's so many things. Like Chalumbo, we call it like, we have this, my mom makes gumbo, we call it Chalumbo gumbo. <laughs> and it's sort of like my family is just like a gumbo of like all different types of people, you know, ethnicities and cultures. And me and my dad broke it down. We made our own meaning for Chalumbo. So we did chi, it's life, energy force. L is for love. And we made an acronym for love is living on valued energy. Om, the sound of the universe. B comes from the foot in the Egyptian alphabet. Mm. That's how we got B into our alphabet. It's from the Egyptian alphabet. And B represents the basis and foundation. And then O is eternity. It's all, it's everything, it's nothing, it's infinite. And so that's our definition of Chalumbo. And (laughs) within this album, it's just me being free, being wild, doing, you know, whatever I want to do. There's, there's, I wasn't concerned about having structure. I wasn't concerned about having it sound perfect as far as when we were recording, I, 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 was like freestyling on a reference mic. So a lot of the songs you hear are on a live mic. And I'm like, don't edit out any of my breaths. Don't edit out if I clear my throat. Don't edit out if I laugh. Don't edit out if you hear somebody in the background like cooking food, because we were in Hawaii and it was like just one big open space. So in a sense, that's like wild. And you know, it all represents, at the end of the day, Chalumbo is just me. I love it too, because it's, about embracing who you are, but then the fact that your dad chose the name, it's also embracing what's possible. Like you can define your future. You can decide who you're going to be and how you're going to embody it. I love that. Yeah. Tell me about Pussy Fairy, but before we do, let's just play a little bit of it. I know you love touching me. I can tell by the way you in love with me. So tell me about so, tell me about Pussy Fairy. My keyboard player produced his name is Julian Le. He produced it. And when I heard the music, I was like, oh, I love this. It reminds me of like 90s. Like obviously I grew up listening to 90s music. And the video is very reminiscent of some 90s. Yeah, it was kind of like paying homage. I love it. In doing this album, I've been studying sound healing and how sound can help balance the chakras. So at the same time, I'm studying the chakra system or chakra or however you want to pronounce it. I'll say both. (laughs) 
and how that goes hand in hand with sound. So I had these two books that we were we would reference and I would say, okay, what key is this song in? And he would say, oh, and he's like super technical and knows music like very well. And he'll be like, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, something that I don't, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> if you were to choose one key, he's like, well, it's D minor. So I'm like, okay, so D is for your second chakra. And basically that. So there's a note that corresponds that to every corresponds chakra in the body. That corresponds to every chakra in the body. Amazing. And so knowing that, I said, okay, well, I have to play a D bowl to this track. And the D, the, okay, so it corresponds with your sacral chakra, which is your second chakra, which governs the sexual organs. Mm. So I was like, this song has to be about sex. And it has to have these bowls in it, which you can hear. I'm playing the bowls throughout the whole album on every song with that in mind. Like, what chakra is this going to resonate with? And what is a pussy fairy? A pussy fairy is basically like (laughs) this mystical, sexy fairy that comes visits a faithful, deserving man or woman. (laughs) And gives them the things that they deserve. So the the title of it came up as a joke because I was on the phone with my boyfriend, and I, my humor is a little what what is the word? Not inappropriate, but mine is. I can be like vulgar. So you know, a lot of people don't know that I'll be like, but it's because I'm very goofy and silly, and I'm like talking to him. I'm like, oh, okay, well. I'm just in the studio, but let me know if you want to visit from the Pussy Fairy tonight. <laughs> and I was in the studio, and everyone started laughing. And I'm like, oh, that's a great name for a song, Pussy Fairy. And I don't say it in the song, you know, but it's like, obviously, the song is a fun, a, more on the fun side and just like sort of whimsical. So just in my mind, it was just like this cute little fairy an adult fairy, I guess. I think I need a visit from the Pussy Fairy. And <laughs> <laughs> this song, I'm just play first. Maybe she's coming to heal you with her pussy. Highly possible. Pussy dust. Exactly. We're yes, we're a goop, so we we believe in all kinds of pussy fairies. Okay, now how about triggered? How did you decide to bring sound healing into pop music? It's pretty revolutionary. So the first time, my dad used to take us to the pier, I mean, to the Third Street Promenade, and there was, like, this store that had, you know, all the incense and, like, Tibetan singing bowls. And so I was like, what is this? And I started playing it, and the guy was like, oh, people don't usually know how to play that the correct way right away. And I was like, oh, does that mean that this instrument chose me? And then I was like, I'll have 10. And I just started buying a bunch of them. And I was just using them for myself, you know, in those moments when I'm meditating or feeling away, and I was just using them. And then... I discovered the crystal singing bowls. And at this point, I hadn't been to any sound baths or anything. I was just playing them in my home and for, and for my friends. And 
literally one of my friends, Chrissy, sent me a picture of these really iridescent looking crystal bowls. And I'm like, oh my gosh, because I love things that are like that, like opalescent, is that the word? Mm -hmm. And iridescent and just like fairy-like. And so I found the site of the of the people that make these bowls, and I was like, "Oh, how do I like get the get them?" I was in Hawaii recording, and I was like, "I want to put these bowls in the music." The reason why is because a lot of people come up to me and they tell me, "Oh, your music helped me get through this tough time, or it helps me study, it helps me fall asleep, it puts my baby to sleep." And I'm like, "Okay, there's some real." real stuff going on here and at the same time just for myself personally I had been experimenting with sound to heal myself so I'm like duh let me put this in the music and really put intention behind the music because for a long time I would be like why am I why am I doing this you know what I mean like what is my purpose and then I found the purpose in it and I I realized I I wanted to really open it up and really have that healing element because sound is healing anyway, you know? This takes it to another level. And so I got these crystal alchemy singing bowls. When we were in Hawaii, I found a place that sold them on Kauai. So we flew to Kauai. I bought my first set. Oh my God, that's commitment. Yes. I bought my first set and they're super fragile and super expensive and I was so scared. I was like, no one touched them. And we started recording them, re- recording things with them and jamming with them. Then I found a woman in Los Angeles named Gerilyn Glass, which is like how ironic. Gerilyn became my sound healing mentor. She's an opera singer turned mm. sound healer. And... She literally is an angel. She's like, I'm going to give you her Instagram after we're done so that you can look her up. But anyway, she ended up, I went to her house. Like As soon as I emailed her, I was like, I'm interested in this. I feel like I am being drawn to this for a reason. I want to bring this into modern music Mm -hmm. and really have people being healed without even knowing it, you know? And I went to her house the next day. She was like, come over. I have... Hundreds of bowls. The more that I play them, the more it, it's all I want to do. I'm like, can my shows just be sound baths? And like, got it. Cause it just feels so good. So yeah, I've just been, as I'm learning, mm-hmm. I'm sharing and putting it in the music and sort mm-hmm. of talking about it because I feel like sound is such a great alternative. You know, there's not really any side effects to listen to, to sound baths except for uh, pure bliss and relaxation. Why do you think that our culture at this point is becoming open to these things? Like we were talking about psilocybin for, for yeah. healing mushrooms. Yeah. We just did an episode of yes. the Goop Lab on it. Awesome. And it's so incredible to be researching what you know, psychedelics can do for post-traumatic stress, sexual trauma, depression. So why do you think at this point our culture starting to open up to these ideas of sound healing or psychedelics, alternative modalities? Yeah. I think people are just waking up. I think that because of the internet, we are exposed to so many ideas and just so many just we're exposed to everything now we can see okay 
people are getting addicted to certain things that were supposed to just be for, you know, people with certain disorders or I don't know. I just feel like we there's so much information now and we're seeing the the health benefits of the natural things and we want to live longer, you know, mm-hmm. we want to feel better, we want to live more fulfilling lives and I feel like at this point people are just like we'll try anything, you know. And so with something like sound that is everywhere all around us mm-hmm. and so natural, it's something that we can really use as a powerful tool. In LA, I feel like there was always this like wellness. Yeah. You know, and I live like in Venice now, so it was always people were met yoga and everything. And I just feel like people are just starting to see the the benefits a lot more now yeah. nowadays. Yeah, and the idea that we're giving ourselves permission to yeah. try things that might open doors for us yes. or make it easier to communicate yes. or with communicate with ourselves or sure. now I'm going to play my favorite of the three I've heard so far none of your concern I've been contemplating meditating should have waited shouldn't have dated you seem irritated baby why you never say it isn't this worth saving I could feel you fading off so beautiful <laughs> so you. beautiful so if you had to say this one song on the album is sort of most emblematic of what you're trying to put into the world right now, which one would you say? <laughs> so there's 20 songs. Wow. Oh, man. It's really all the songs. I mean... They're, I know. I'm like, it's like asking you to choose your favorite yeah. child, but you only have one child, so you can still choose your favorite. <laughs> Love. Love. Okay. Love. Track I can't number wait. 13. I can't Lucky wait. 13. Lucky 13. Lucky 13. Good Thank week. you. Thank you for joining today's chat with Gwyneth and Janae Aiko. And be sure to listen to her new album, Chilombo, out now. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back next week for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.